After 40 years of life and 21 years of walking with Jesus in a relationship with him, I feel like I have um, noticed and it seems clear to me that we go through seasons in our life. Anybody feel that way? You go through seasons, really like seasons. In your relationship with the Lord, you seem like you go through seasons. And so when I think of the different seasons that our creation goes through, I think of spring, I think of new and exciting. Like when it's spring, like the first really nice spring day, you want to roll your windows down and you want to get out there and you want to be rolling around in the streets. So there's like an excitement to, to it, I think. And I think that there are times in our life that life seems exciting. There's a time in our relationship with God that it seems really exciting. It seems new. It seems like there's, there's just growth happening. So I ask you, have you had a season in life that feels like spring? Have you had a season that feels like spring in your spiritual walk with Christ? But then there's also times like summer, and again, people may think differently about what the seasons are, but summer to me feels like a time where I want to take off, just want to break. Have you ever had a season in your relationship with the Lord you just kind of wanted to take a break? You just didn't really want to listen to God? just didn't really want to work? You just kind of wanted to just sit? And I would say that I've had seasons like that spiritually where I kind of want to be on vacation and sit back and kind of enjoy life. But then I think that there's sometimes where there's seasons like fall. To me, when I think of fall, I think of beautiful color, but I also think of the leaves falling. I think of that really the reason why the leaves are falling is because they're, they're dead. You had a season where you feel dry, a season where you feel dead, not only in, in life, but maybe spiritually. The other thing that I think about fall is it's when my allergies really start to kick in. Have you had a season of life that you just don't feel good? And I think of winter. Winter to me is it's cold. It almost feels like it's constantly dark. Have you had a season of life that feels like that? It just feels constantly dark. It feels um, like you're always sick. That's how I feel in winter. Especially the first year Sarah started teaching, she brought home every bug she could possibly bring home, and I got every single one that I could. Have you had a season of life that has felt dark, that you felt sick, that you just wanted to stay inside? Again, I think that we go through these seasons in our life. I think that we go through seasons in our spiritual relationship with the Lord. There's times where I can say that I've been focused. There's seasons that I've been distracted. There's seasons that I've had kind of a really soft heart. There's seasons that I've had a hardened heart. I think that there's seasons that I've gone through where I really want to be with God. Like I want to sit before Him. And I've had seasons that I really don't want to listen to Him. I've had seasons in my life that um, God feels really, really close. And I've had seasons where he's felt very distant. I've had seasons in my life that I um, am excited and seasons that I just feel bored. Times where I've felt selfless, times where I've felt selfish, times when I've been irritated and annoyed by all people. Not you guys, I mean talking other people. (laughs) Not my wife, not my kids, other people. We go through these different seasons, I think, and for me, I want to be real open and real. And I, I always want to do that. And I think that this summer, it's, it's been a busy summer, and summer I naturally want to feel like I'm on vacation. It's been busy. But what's really been busy is, you know, going to New York to help our oldest son find an apartment and then going back to help him move in. And there's just been life. It's been busy but I really would say that I feel distracted in my relationship with the Lord. 
And it was several weeks ago, I even came up on a Sunday and I just said, I just get this sense that there's some of us here that are distracted. If you are distracted, would you raise your hands? And when I did that, like almost all of us, it seemed like raised our hands. So I think that we go through these seasons. And for me, I've been in a season where I felt distracted. I've been in a season, to be honest, that I feel like God is somewhat distant. When the greenhouse first started as a church like five years ago, it's been this awesome journey. There's been very difficult times. There's been very awesome times. But overall, I feel like I've really wanted to sit and listen to the Lord. I feel like God had been really close. And lately, I just, to be honest, feel that he's a little bit distant. I feel a little bit dry spiritually. Um, I feel that it's very easy for me to be way more self-focused than I have been in the past. I think that we go through these different seasons, and I, I really want to be open and real with, with where I'm at, but I also really want to challenge and ask you, where are you at? What season of life are you in? But also in your relationship with the Lord, assuming that you have one, what season are you in in that? You know, I think I'm just going to briefly talk about this. There are, sometimes there's reasons why we're in the seasons that we're in. Sometimes we can be in the season that we're in because of unconfessed sin. Sometimes we can be in the season that we're in because we're just seeking our own way. Sometimes we can be in it the season because we're not really listening. Sometimes it can be because we're not seeking, because we're holding things that are hindering us close by. We can feel distant from God because of the circumstances in our life. But I also think, as Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, for everything there is a season. I think sometimes God just allows us to go through these seasons. And the, the reason why we may not feel super close to God, the reason why we maybe not want to listen to Him quite as much as normal, it's just, it's just part of a season. So I don't know what season you're in. I don't know really why you're in that season. But again, I said what I think my season is. And, and that's what we're going to really talk about today is different seasons that you're in. And so again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to, we're just going to be kind of quiet for a minute. If kids are a little bit loud, don't freak out. It's okay. Okay. But we're going to be kind of quiet for a minute because I really want all of us here to in some way acknowledge what season they're in in their life what season they're in their relationship with the Lord. So let's take a minute to think about that. So where we've been is we've been kind of going through the Psalms this summer. We've been kind of calling it the Summer in Psalms. And we've, we're going to continue that today. We're going to be talking about Psalm 103. It's a psalm that David wrote. And last time I talked, I shared about this, that if you've never done a, a, a chronological study plan of reading the Bible, it's so cool to see, like, the Bible wasn't just written in chronological order. And so when you begin to read it in chronological order, you can see how certain psalms take place during this or during that. And it's just this really cool thing. It's like that with psalms, but it's like that a lot of other places. And so today I want us to kind of, before we dive into Psalm 103, kind of understand what's going on right before David writes this psalm. What had been going on for a little while is there was a guy by the name of Saul who had become king. So we got King Saul, and things were going okay for a little while, but then Saul really started to lead his own way. He was taking things the direction he wanted to go, not the way that God wanted to go. And so God says, I'm going to identify a new king. And he says, I want to find a king who will have a heart after mine. And so he identifies that David will be the next king. Then 
Um, once that happens, David, if you remember, he goes out to battle and Goliath, this huge Philistine, is talking bad about the armies and he's challenging them. And David goes out and beautiful, awesome story. He slays the giant. And then all the people begin to think so highly of David. They're like, man, this guy's awesome. And so they're praising him. And Saul um, really starts to like David. And David even becomes his like music player. So when Saul's kind of freaking out and not not okay mentally, David will come in and he'll play music and it will calm Saul. And so there's this really cool thing that's happening there. David gets this, he's got this future that looks super bright. He's going to be king one day. He's got this current setup that's really good. He's got a good job working for the king. And the king likes him so much, the king gives him his daughter. The king had my daughter in marriage. So I could imagine that this would be a time that would be very easy to praise God. Your future looks good. Your current setting looks good. You got a wife. Things look pretty good. Well, right after this, um, Saul begins to get jealous of David. And so much so that Saul goes out of his way to seek to kill David multiple times. So imagine you're David, you've had this great season, everything seems awesome, and now your father-in-law wants to kill you. Some of you may already know how that feels, but your father-in-law wants to kill you. So much so that you have to go into hiding. You, in essence, are away from your wife, you're, you're in hiding, truly living in a cave. That's where David is. David is living in a cave. He's not with his wife. He is being seeked after to be killed by his father-in-law. Saul, at that point in time, decides to take David's wife and give her to someone else in marriage. David has other wives at this point, and they get taken. That's a whole other subject of multiple wives, so we won't dive into that today. But David is living in a cave, father-in-law wanting to kill him. Then the nation of Israel, their nation, things have been going okay, but now the Philistines come in and they're attacking. And so they're in this time where there's this national crisis. He's, in essence, is divorced. His friends um, aren't around him. He's living in a cave. And during that good period of time, he also becomes best friends with Saul's son named Jonathan. But now that he's living in the cave, he's not hanging out with Jonathan. He's in this time of loss, a time of darkness. The prophet Samuel has just died. Like, he had gone from this amazingly awesome period of time, probably an easy season to praise the Lord, and now he's in this very difficult, hard season, a season that I would guess that David probably felt that God felt distant, a season that he felt dry. And that is when he writes Psalm 103. If you have your Bibles, you can get open to Psalm 103. I think that this psalm will be one that for anyone who's here who you're in a little bit harder of a season in your life, or a little bit harder a season in your relationship with the Lord, this will be a psalm that I think will speak awesome things to you. And if you're in a season that's great, I think it will speak good things to you too, but I also think it will prepare you for the next time you're in a difficult season. So, here's what Psalm 103 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, 
who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. Its place is no more. By the steadfast love of the Lord, excuse me, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Father God, I, I come before you acknowledging that I am in a season that has been harder. I come before you acknowledging that there's got to be people here who are in a season that is harder than it's been, maybe harder than it's been forever. There's probably people who are, who are in this beautiful, wonderful, awesome season. God, I pray that you will communicate to us, you will speak to us, and that you will teach us through this psalm. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I think David is in this season of probably darkness, probably loss. He's living in a cave, and this is what he says. It starts off in the first verse, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who, do, who is he talking to? He's talking to himself. And now some of you may talk to yourself, and it becomes a problem when you start answering yourself, which I sometimes do. But what he's saying, he starts off and he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's saying to himself, bless the Lord. He's in this very difficult time of life, and he's telling himself to bless the Lord. And he says, bless the Lord with all that is in me. He's telling himself, he's speaking to himself saying, praise God with all that is in me. Praise God with my heart. Praise God with my mind. Praise God with my soul. He's, he's speaking to himself. And it's kind of crazy. That's how it starts. But then if you look at the very last verse, what does he say again? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And what I think that you have in this psalm is you basically have a parenthesis. You have him saying, speaking to himself, preaching to himself, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and then everything else is in the middle. So the first thing I think that's really important when we look at this psalm, thinking through David's preaching this to himself He's, he's in this very difficult season of life, and he's preaching to himself. He's encouraging himself. He's exhorting himself. He's challenging himself to praise the Lord. He's not listening to those thoughts of, God probably doesn't care. Is God even there? But what he's saying is, self, soul, praise God. 
He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, there's all that is in me. And then he says, and forget not his benefits. And then he goes on, he says, it's toward the end, it seems like he's turning, he's preaching to himself, and he's also preaching outward. He's saying, bless the Lord, his angels, bless the Lord, his hosts, bless the Lord, his works, bless the Lord, his ministers. But really, I think in this psalm, he's preaching to himself. He's in this tough season of life that he's very likely distracted, very likely dry, very likely God feels distant. Very likely the darkness just feels thick around him. And he's telling himself to bless the Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but oftentimes when I'm in a harder season, I just want to sit and wallow in my feelings. But he's pushing and challenging and encouraging himself to bless the Lord, even in the midst of the circumstances. There's a national crisis. He's a Divorce, going through a divorce in essence. His wives have been taken, lost, darkness, and he's telling himself to bless the Lord. I, I would imagine that it would have been very easy to praise the Lord at one point. Now I think it would be a season that would be very hard to bless the Lord, to please the Lord, to, to praise Him. But I think it's important to remember this. Whether you're going through a good season of life or a difficult season of life, God is no less worthy of praise. No matter what you're going through, God's no less worthy to praise. And I was thinking about this, that we so easily rely on our emotions and our feelings rather than who God is. But there David is, he's preaching to himself. He's saying, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And I think, like I said, I think our emotions can control us. They can influence us, and they can be so shifting. Have you ever had a day that you started off, you're like, I'm going to really just praise the Lord, man, God is so good, and then somebody cuts you off, and you're like, I hate everybody, you know? Like, it can happen like, in, like a flick of a switch, and our emotions can, can take us places. We can feel, we don't feel God's presence, so we think He's not there. I think we're really quick to go through this, but then... I think that there are seasons that are easier to praise the Lord, like when things are going re well in your life, right? It's like the bank account's kind of full, and it's like, man, man, God's so good. And then, but when things are not going well, or there's times where God seems really close, and it's, man, it's, man, God is so good. But then when God seems distant, it's almost like you just don't even want to bless Him, we don't even want to praise Him. When we're on fire for the Lord, what about when we feel like we're just burned out? When circumstances are good, it's easy to praise Him, but when things seem stale and old, is it easy to praise Him? See, the thing is, I think it's so easy for us, for our emotions, our feelings to drive whether we bless the Lord. But what David is doing in this text is he's telling himself, praise the Lord, bless the Lord. I was thinking about this this week, and I thought, you know, if we only praise God or bless Him when, when, from our feelings or circumstances, then we're never going to consistently praise Him. And I was thinking about this. What if we, we, we only praise, praise Him when things are going well and the way we want them to? Are we actually even praising Him? I don't think we are. I think if I'm only praising God when things are the way I want them to be in my life, do you know who I'm really praising, who I'm really blessing is me? So, so far in this text, what we really have is David preaching to himself. And I think one of the keys for anyone who's in here who's going through a little bit of a darker season, a little bit of a harder season, it's learning to preach to yourself. I think that we put so much of a, of a what's the word I want? 
of a, it's a big deal. Preaching's a big deal. An emphasis. We put so much on emphasis on preaching. You go to a church and you don't like the preacher, oftentimes what happens? You go find another church. You've, we put so much of an emphasis on preaching, but do we preach to ourselves? See, you can go to a, listen to a sermon once a week. You can even get, you know, podcasts, listen to different sermons. You can listen to sermons all the time, but, but until we begin to preach to ourselves like David is doing here, I think we're missing a huge component of it. Excuse me, a huge component of it. And that's what David is doing. So what I want us to do is, I want us to first acknowledge that it seems like that's what David's doing here. Is he seems like he's preaching to himself. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take the rest of the time to see what is it that he does to preach to himself in hopes that that teaches us to preach to ourselves. I think what David does is three things. I think the first thing is he's, he's preaching to himself. He's reminding himself. He's telling himself to remember what God has done. I think he also is telling himself to remember who God is, and he's telling himself to remember who he is. And I think that the key for us to learn to preach to ourselves when we're going through hard seasons of life is that we would remind ourselves who God is, what he is like, and what we are like. So let's dive into those three things. The first one is this, remember what God has done. David is preaching to himself, like I said, and in verse 2 he says, forget not all of his benefits. But then what he does is he says throughout the next couple verses, he says, God has forgiven iniquity. God has healed all my diseases. He's redeemed me from the pit. He's crowned me with love. He's crowned me with mercy. He's satisfied me with good. He's reminding, like, God has done so many things. And he's, he's looking back and saying, God has forgiven me for the sin in my life. God has forgiven me. He's redeemed me from a pit. And he's done all of these different things. But what's so cool about it is the way that it's worded, it's, it's, it's emphasizing that it's, God has done something in the past, but it also is that he's doing something currently and that he also will do something. And so what he's saying in this is God has forgiven iniquity is forgiving my iniquity and will continue to forgive my iniquity. What he's saying is God has healed my diseases. He is healing my diseases and he will heal my diseases. And he kind of goes through that for each one. And, but I, I think that we can, we can go to the Bible, we can see something like that and just be like, oh, that's really cool that, that David's doing that. But, but I want us to, to pause there for a minute and I want us to, I want to ask and I want you to think about these things. What has God done in your life during a period of time where you were scared? You were filled with fear. Is there anybody, just raise your hand, is there anybody who, there was a season in your life where you were really living in fear and God did something awesome? Anybody? Okay. What about a time when you really wanted nothing to do with God? Has anybody in this room ever had a season where you just wanted nothing to do with God and what God did in that moment was something, empower, something powerful? What about a season when you didn't know what God wanted for your life? Like you felt like you had no plan, no idea what was happening next, and then God showed up and did something powerful. Or times where you've been overwhelmed by God's love. Anybody in here have a time that you truly felt cleansed by God? Anybody in here have a time that you were wrestling with an overwhelming sense of guilt or an overwhelming sense of shame and God showed up in that moment in a powerful way? What David is telling himself, what he's preaching to himself is remember what God has done. You know, like there's this beautiful time where, where Joshua takes the people f across the Jordan and then they go back and they get stones and they put the stones out and they make, make a memorial. There's a song, um, 
uh, come thy fount. And in it it says, here I raise my Ebenezer, which means here I raise these moments where God has done something powerful and awesome. But I think that what happens is we just go through this life and we're going through tough seasons and we just wallow in our pity rather than going back and looking at this like David's doing. He's saying, remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. And so I, I say to myself, because I, I've been, in all honesty, I was supposed to preach this message several weeks ago, and Kevin had wanted to kind of take the second week um, of the sermon that he had done and do another week, and so I've been kind of sitting on this sermon for like four, three, four weeks, and, and in all honesty, it was exactly what God wanted, because I had kind of come up with this sermon, but I hadn't really baked in it and lived in it, and I can tell you this, that I have had to bake in this, that this is exactly what I need. I need to be re- remembering what God has done in my life. I need to remember the times that he's led me, the times that he's provided for me. And so my challenge for anyone who's here who's in a little bit of a harder season is I truly challenge you this week, find a time, get away. Put your phone away, get the computer away, and just sit before the Lord. And I, I'm a writer. I like to write things out. Some people like to type. Some people just think, whatever you need to do, but sit before the Lord and make a list of how God has worked in your life. Think back of how he's been good to you. What David is doing in this text is he is preaching to himself, remember what God has done. Remember that he's forgiven iniquity. Remember that he's redeemed me from a pit. Remember how he satisfied me when I was just not satisfied with anything else. think for us to make a list of it will be a powerful way to slow down, to sit and to be reminded of what God has done. David also preaches to himself to remember who God is. What you see in verse 6, he's He says that God is a God of justice who's helping those who are oppressed. In verse 7, he talks about how God leads his people, and he did that through Moses. In verse 8, he talks about how God is gracious, how he's merciful, how he's slow to anger. In verse 9, he talks about how God doesn't stay angry forever. In verse 10, he says that God doesn't give us what we deserve. Verse 13, he talks about how compassionate he is. When he talks about removing the sin, As far as the east is from the west, he talks about how forgiving God is. And then he also talks about that God not only just forgives sin, but he removes it from us as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty darn far. What he's doing is he's preaching to himself to remember not just the things that God has done, but to remember who God is while he did those things. He's telling himself to remember that God is a God of justice, that God is a God who leads people. God is a God who is merciful. I've I, I heard that years ago that there's difference between grace and mercy. Grace is when you, when, you don't, when you get something that you don't deserve. But mercy is when you don't get the thing that you do deserve. And what he's saying, what David is reminding himself is, God has given me things that I don't deserve, but he's also not given me things that I did deserve. He's remembering what God is like. He's preaching to himself to remind himself what God is like. We have other things throughout the word that we could preach to ourselves as well. We could preach that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We could preach to ourselves that God is in control. 
Have you ever had to do that when circumstances were not in your control and be like, okay, God is in control. I'm not in control, but God is in control. There's times where we can preach to ourselves that not only the Bible says that God loves us, but that God is love. We can preach to ourselves that he is good, that he's in control, that he's a promise keeper. But what about what verse 19 says, that he's king and that he's eternal? I, um, I've heard people talk about a sermon that said, man, that'll preach. But if we really stop and we think about the fact that God is in control and that he's eternal, that will preach. So David's in this season that I think would be very difficult, very hard time, and he's preaching to himself to remember what God has done. He's preaching to himself to remember who God is, but then there's a third thing that he's doing. I think he's preaching to himself to remember who he is. This is what he says. He says, um, verse 15 and 16, Many day, or man's days are like grass. They flourish like a flower. The wind passes over it and it is gone and its place is no more. What I think he's doing is reminding himself that he is not God. Like all of us in this room realize that we're not God. But man, do we live like we are. Man, do we want it to be that we are. And what David is doing is he's reminding himself, he's preaching to himself, like, you are not God. You are not in control. You are like grass that grows and the wind blows and it's no more. I think what he's saying with the wind blowing over it and it's no more, he's reminding, he's preaching to himself that he is temporary that he is finite, that he's not in control, even maybe that he's inconsistent. Man, in my life, I think in your life, how, is it, how easily is it for the winds to pass over us? Our feelings, our circumstances change just slightly, and man, our outlook on life, our outlook toward God is profoundly different. How quickly we can switch to be resentful, unforgiving, bitter, anger, hostile, self-focused people of whom I'm the worst. But David, in this tough season, he's preaching to himself, remember who God is. Remember who you are. Then in this he says, for he knows our frame, verse 14, and he remembers that we are dust. If you are like me, you know that you're not God, but it's so easy to live like we are. And we kind of forget that we're not God, and we hold ourselves to such a high standard. I don't know if there's anybody else in here that beats themselves up of the smallest things. But man, do I beat myself up. And I'm so thankful that God knows and remembers that we are dust. I think if we got into a point where we began to really acknowledge that we are dust, we wouldn't get so bent out of shape when somebody accidentally cuts us off. David here, I believe, is really preaching to himself to remember what God has done, to remember who God is, to remember who we're not, so that we're not swayed by our emotions, swayed by our feelings, and swayed by our circumstances. Do you know how to preach to yourself? If I would have been asked that question about four weeks ago when I had this thing done, I would have been like, yeah, I mean, I can do that. I mean, I stand up and have to preach to people often, so yeah, I can preach to myself. But I can tell you over the past couple weeks as I've really tried to dig deep into this, I don't know if I really know how to preach to myself well. But 
In this, I think we see what David does, and I think it's a profound, powerful thing for us. When we're going through these dark times, do we preach to ourselves? Or even when we're going through these great times in our life, do we preach to ourselves to remember what God has done? Remember who God is. Remember who I am not. I think it would um, be hugely helpful for us. Now, I want to I end with this. I think that we have a huge benefit over David. See, David could say, remember what God has done. And he could also look forward to the promise that God had made. See, God had made a promise way before this that one day he would right all the wrong. And if you're new here, these little symbol sign things that are up here, this is to tell the story of the whole Bible in six pictures. The, the whole story of the Bible is that God created everything. It was beautiful and it was wonderful and it was amazing. But then because he created people and because there's a serpent, we, we listened and we fell. And from that point in time, all of us are born sinners. There's a separation between us and God. And because of that, there needed to be something that would be fixed. That's why the arrows point this way. Something had to happen to fix that. And what it was is that Jesus would come. But what David is doing, David is over here in this arrow, and David is, he's, he's remembering what God has done. That he's led through Moses. He's remembering that. But, and he's trusting that one day, as Genesis 3.15 says, that the, that the serpent's head will be smashed. He's remembering. He's, he's acknowledging that that will happen. But we're living in this second era. So Jesus came and he fixed the problem of sin. And then the, the story of the rest of the Bible is pointing forward to the one day that Jesus is going to come back for his people. And we are living post-cross rather than prior to the cross. And so for us, you know, David, he's looking at it going, remember what God has done, but also looking forward to what, what God would do one day. That one day there'd be a Messiah from the line of David that would be an everlasting king where what we can do is we can preach a better sermon to ourselves. We have a far better sermon. The far better sermon is that over 2,000 years ago, there was a man, fully God, fully man, born. And his name was Jesus. That man lived as God. He took on our sin. He died on the cross and he did it to display that love, that grace, that mercy. And that is the way that we can be forgiven. We have a better sermon that we can see that we can have our sin removed as far as the east is from the west, but we can acknowledge how that happened. It was through Jesus. We have a far better sermon that we can preach to ourselves than David could. David was looking forward where we can look back and see. I think when we really want to preach a sermon to ourselves, we need to look no further than Jesus. Jesus came, as the Word tells us, to proclaim good news to the poor. What about all through Matthew chapter 5, through the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the... And it just goes on and on and on and on. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to those who are captive, to give sight to the blind, to, give it, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Man, we have this sermon of Jesus that we can preach to ourselves. We can see how he displayed his love, his grace, his mercy, how he removed sin and the penalty of sin, how he displayed limitless compassion. He did it because we aren't good. He did it because he's eternal and we're not. He did it to display his promises. 
But ultimately, I think when we wrap this up, I think what we see is that David's going through this really difficult time in his life and he's preaching to himself. He's telling himself, remember what God has done. Remember who God is. Remember who you are. And I think for us to really make it through this life and make it through the different seasons that we go through, to make it through the dry times in our relationship with the Lord, the exciting times in our relationship with the Lord, the times where it just feels, we just feel dead. I think we need to learn to preach to ourselves. And I think that Jesus gives us the perfect sermon to preach to ourselves. We need to look no further than the cross. Let's pray. God, um, you are really just so good. If I stop and think about the ways that you have worked in my life, the ways that you have led me, the ways that you've protected me from the stupid decisions that I wanted to make, the ways that you've surrounded me with loving and gracious people who challenge and push me to, to know you more, God, when I really think about the ways that you have worked, it really does drive me to bless you and to praise you. But God, I also confess that when I'm in a season that I don't really want to praise you, it is so easy not to praise you. And so God, I'm sure that there are people in this room who they're here because they just feel like they're supposed to be here, just out of habit. God, I pray that today we would be reminded of the things that you have done in our life, but also the things that you've done since the beginning of time. Pray that we'd be reminded of who you are. That you are a good, good father. Pray that we would be reminded that your arms are open. God, we um, truly do just pray that we would not be swayed by our circumstances, by our, our emotions, by our feelings, but that we would be on the, the ground that doesn't shift. This, we'd be on the rock. Your word tells us in Psalm 40, I've waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He, he pulled me out of the muddy mire, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock. God, help us to stand on you, the rock. God, if there's anyone here who does not know you, they, they don't know the sermon. They've never truly experienced you. I pray that today would be the day that they do that. And God, for the rest of us who do have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you'll help us to preach to ourselves because you gave us an awesome, awesome sermon to preach. It's in Jesus' name.